This is really gross, but dirty trash cans can pose a serious health risk to you and your family. The pungent smell can attract rats and flies, not to mention maggots, both of which can contain dangerous diseases transferable to humans. Your dirty trash can is susceptible to harboring dangerous bacteria. Contact Brandon at Fitz Trash Bin Cleaning today at 440-752-1533 or find them on Facebook. Veteran owned and operated and eco-friendly. Again, call Brandon at 440-752-1533. Redline Radio LLC is proud to partner with Growing Wings Adult Services for the creation of our brand new state-of-the-art production studio. Growing Wings Adult Services has been assisting adults with disabilities in the Northeast Ohio area for the past five years. For more information on how Lisa and the team at Growing Wings can assist your family, you can contact Lisa at 234-334-7547 today. Detroit Auto Parts is the official parts store of Red Line Radio LLC. They have two convenient locations on the east side. You can call 216-531-7373 or on the west side, call 216-398-7373. Mention Red Line Radio and receive 10% off your purchase. It's the official home and auto parts store of Red Line Radio LLC. If you need any custom t-shirts, banners, stickers, anything like that made, then you reach out to Incredible Keepsakes. As Diane always says, cherished moments are made to last forever. You can reach Incredible Keepsakes at 440-242-9648 or check out their websites at IncredibleKeepsakes.com. And don't forget to mention that Redline Radio sent you. For all of our programming information, you can check us out on all social media platforms. You can listen to all of our great programming and live 24-hour music on the Redline Radio LLC app. You can find it on the Google Play Store, but you can also check us out at RedlineRadioLLC.com where we are always live. Discretion is advised, but will be completely ignored.
if you're hearing the melodic sounds of Psych Ward, that can only mean one thing. It's Friday night. The asylum is officially open for business. And we got a crazy one to talk about this week, everybody. What's going on? Welcome in to Nurse Ratchet's Asylum. Well, we're outside the asylum right now. We'll go in in a little bit here. Uh, green screen's acting cray-cray tonight, man. I don't know what it, what to do. It's one of them weeks. Everything just wants to go wrong tonight. But we'll get through it. I'll continue working on it while we are going on this crazy journey together. What is going on, everybody? What is going on? All right. So welcome in. Like I said, it is uh, Money's Crazy Mind, as always. And uh, we're just going to go ahead and keep this party rocking here. I think we got the green screen fixed here finally. Yay. Yay to me. Yay to me. There we go. All right. So before we get into the main topic of conversation here tonight, I got a couple of things I got to get off my chest here. First and foremost, Paramount Plus released uh, Orphan First Kill today. And I wasn't sure what I was going to think about it. Now, two things happened in this movie that made me just go, oh, they aren't playing. First was this, the return to acting by Julia Stiles. Julia Stiles left acting a few years back and has, what's up, Dave, has pretty much said, you know, she's done. She doesn't want to come back, you know, blah, blah, yada, yada. But they got her back for this. And the character that she played in this movie, holy crap, made me realize well, I've always had a little bit of a mini crush on Julia Stiles. The woman was absolutely astounding in this movie. Uh, two thumbs way, way up just on Julia Stiles acting in that movie alone. She was absolutely diabolical. It was amazing. Second, um, if you've seen the original Orphan, you kind of know the story of Esther. I'm not going to give anybody away for anybody that hasn't. But the way that they portrayed the character in this movie definitely, definitely, definitely leads right in to that original Orphan movie, and they did a phenomenal job with it. So kudos to the people that made this movie. I didn't even know Dark Castle was still making movies until I saw the, their logo on the beginning of this. So Orphan, first kill, two thumbs up. Two thumbs way, way up for that movie. That movie was excellent. Second, the return of Beavis and Butthead has been nothing but epic. Mike Judge is knocking it out of the park with these new Beavis and Butthead episodes. It, it takes you right back into the 90s where, you know, you, you are just watching just insanity unfold on the screen between Beavis and Butthead. And this new, this new season, this new version is absolutely epic. So um, anybody that may not be watching the new Beavis and Butthead, definitely check it out. If you don't have Paramount Plus, they are offering a uh, seven-day free trial, one-week free trial. Uh, so definitely, definitely, definitely check them out. They are doing a phenomenal job 
with this new season of uh, uh, Beavis and Butthead. And, of course, it's the only spot where you can stream the South Park 25th anniversary concert, which, hands down, one of the greatest things I've seen ever. Absolutely great. A little bit of the bubbly. All right. So, we are here. We're back in the Growing Wings Adult Services Studios. Um, I know, you know, we weren't here a couple weeks ago. We were here last week. Huge shout out to uh, Bill Rabbits and Sean for jumping in the asylum last week. Sponsor Spotlight for Pit Road Diecast. Those guys are always great. They have, um, they have uh, a permanent home here uh, in the asylum. Now, we are going to talk about something that is definitely going to be controversial this week. But it's definitely something that needs to be discussed. Um, so just warning everybody right now, this topic is definitely, definitely going to piss people off. But that's why I'm doing it. And I, I definitely think it's something that needs to be discussed because it's something that it just doesn't seem to be getting discussed out there. And that is... Should these alt-right groups that exist in the world today be classified under the classification of cult? And some of them have been labeled domestic terrorist organizations, and we'll get into why they're similar to that as well. However, there is a lot of their practices for when it comes to their recruitment standards that you also find in some cult institutions. And I have some comparisons here between cults and the alt-right, and we're gonna look at that. But we also have the definition of both, and we can kind of see where the similarities are, where the differences are, and how, how the alt-right has been able to infiltrate so many different organizations and so many different classifications under the radar where people don't even think that they are what they're what they are or what they claim to be so let's uh start here with the definition of the alt right uh so it's a right wing primarily online political movement or grouping based in the United States whose members reject mainstream conservative politics and espouse extremist beliefs and policies typically centered on a, ideas of white nationalism. Uh, so, you know, a couple of def, uh, demonst uh the fuck am I thinking of here? I, my brain is scattered right now. Um, examples. Uh, regardless of who triumphs at the ballot box, the biggest winner is the presidential uh, of this presidential election may be the alt-right, a sprawling coalition of re uh, reactionary conservatives who have lobbied to make the United States more traditional, more populist, and more white 
So traditional and populist are definitely two words that you're going to hear quite a bit when it comes to the alt-right and the way that they hide their true agendas to try to influence and infiltrate different parts of everyday society. So I have a story here from ABC News that compares the alt-right to ISIS in the fact that they use similar online recruiting methods. So in a uh, quote from John Cohen, an ABC News consultant and former acting Homeland Security undersecretary, says all of these extremist groups promote an agenda that focuses on fighting those who are victimizing them and resonates with these individuals who all believe that they have been personally victimized in their own lives. One of the most recent examples uh, in this, because this is from 2018, was the Parkland, uh, Florida school shooting. Uh, It was reported that shooter Nicholas Cruz had a swastika on one of the ammunition magazines found at the school. A law enforcement uh, source told ABC News, Cruz's public defender, Howard Finkelstein, later said anti-Semitic postings made by Cruz were discovered by investigators after the shooting, which left 17 students and staff from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School dead. Um, find it funny that this dude's lawyer's name is Finkelstein, and yet he has swastikas and anti-Semitic postings. Uh, and a quote from Finkelstein, when you see someone falling off the grid, what happens is they have less and less connection to what you and I know as reality. They become more and more connected to the other people who fall off the grid. And that's why it is not a surprise that when you've got nothing, you end up in some, you know, skinhead Aryan Nazi hate Jew group. So it fits the picture that everybody should have seen here. Oren Siegel, director of the Anti-Defamation League's Center on Extremism, um, says, we're sort of early adopters to technology. What we've seen in, I'd say, the last two years is the white supremacists in a particular alt-right finding new ways to exploit social media platforms and recruit adherents to make use of the tools that are pretty much available to anyone. He goes on to say, the Internet has never been the sole domain of ISIS or Al-Qaeda. White supremacist propaganda has been available the way ISIS and Al-Qaeda propaganda has been available online for years. Nothing, there's more accessibility than ever before. Or said, noting, there's more accessibility than ever before. And then ABC's Cohen pointed out uh, to uh, slicky production videos, almost like music videos or movie trailers that ISIS and similar groups create with the underlying message of join our cause. You will be part of our family and you will your life will have meaning. 
Cohen said that the thematically similar videos featuring footage of protesters carrying tiki torches in Charlottesville were posted throughout the white supremacist social media world after the August protests. So let's talk about that Charlottesville protest here just for a moment. The Charlottesville protest, there were two of them. The first one, uh, it went off pretty much exactly the way that these alt-right groups wanted it to. The second one, they wanted to up the ante. So they invited almost every white supremacist alt-right group that there was that they could find. They created a Discord server. Now, what is a Discord server? Discord is actually kind of similar to, let's say, an AOL chat room for people that are true millennials. Gamers also use them to help, you know, have a specific group of people in there. You can donate to them. You can do all these different things. In this Discord server, they made the point to sit there and say they wanted uh, anti-protesters to show up. And that if they did, what happened in the first Charlottesville riot will be nothing compared to what we do this time. So what they wanted to promote was the fact that all these other groups had to come together and have one singular cause. And then after that, if these anti-protesters got in their way or if the cops tried breaking the protest up, so on and so forth, they were going to take matters into their own hands. One person in this Discord server basically stated, if the um, what I really want to do is drive a car into these anti-protesters and show them what we're really about. There is a documentary on Netflix called Web of Lies, and that is where this information is coming from. A former member of one of these alt-right groups had uh, screenshots of the server with these messages on there. And when she decided that she was done with this group and wanted to walk away, she kept all these screenshots for proof that these are the people that were involved in doing this. The group that is mainly responsible for a lot of these uh, recent events that have been happening in the alt-right is a group known as Identity Europa. And Europa, they use a V instead of a U to make it look like it's ancient Roman. When this woman left Identity Europa, she then saw on the news that someone in the Charlottesville riot had actually driven their car into the mass of people and killing people and injuring people. That's when she sought out a group that was going to protect her so that she cannot reveal everything that was happening and move on with her life outside of identity Europa. Moving on here in this article. Ryan Lentz, a spokesperson for a hate group watchdog organization, the Southern Poverty Law Center's Intelligence Project, told ABC News, the Internet is a place of both passive and active radicalization. ISIS is an organization that has a very deliberate and systematic means of reaching out to people online. The alt-right does so in a very different fashion. More often than not, people stumble into the ideology on the far right. Both Siegel and Lentz pointed out to Dylan Roof, the Charleston church shooter who killed nine people in 2015 as another example of a young American man who became fascinated with racist ideologies. 
During a police interview that was later shown in court, Roof said that he was reading about the Trayvon Martin case online, and for some reason I typed in black on white crime, and ever since then he had looked into the race issues. The SPLC released its annual report, The Year in Hate and Extremism, last month and noted how large online audiences for white supremacist groups have grown. Specifically looking at the Daily Stromer with the SPLC called Rabidly Racist and Anti-Semitic, the report stated that the site averaged 140,000 unique page views a month in the summer of 2016 and it reached over 750,000 unique monthly views in August of 2017 before the rally in Charlottesville. So there you go. Kind of proves my point right there. Exactly what I was saying was just proven in this and that Daily Stromer is one of the websites that would lead people to the Discord server where these groups were having their internal conversations. Uh, Cohen said in the final quote here, in some cases they find material posted by ISIS and that's what resonates with them and they connect with that cause. In other cases, these individuals come up with materials posted by white supremacists, anti-government militia, or other extremist groups, and they self-connect with that cause instead, but the result is the same. All right. So we're gonna kind of take a look at one of our first examples of how these Uh, extremist groups use um, cult-like recruitment processes to try to influence uh, young adults at very influential ages to uh, uh, try to join their causes here. Uh, So this article from the Washington Post is called From Memes to Race War, How Extremists Use Popular Culture to Lure Recruits. I don't want four weeks of the Washington Post for free. Just let me read the article. All right, so it talks about uh, the first images of the last battle uh, seems designed to rile people onto the conservative side of the culture war. Public nudity, strippers, children dressed in drag, symbols of a society supposedly in a moral free-for-all. The online video pivots to more extremist materials, quick cut scenes of, of uh, attacks on white people, bogus allegations of election fraud, and a parade of pictures purporting to show the Jewish communist takeover. The six minute video distributed on gaming platforms and social media rapidly reveals itself as a visually arresting propaganda piece, a recruiting tool for the far right extremists that draw viewers in with their coming for your guns and they're opening your borders and then hits them with, they're humiliating your race and defend your race. Far-right groups that blossomed during Donald Trump's presidency, including white supremacists, self-styled militias, and the purveyors of anti-government conspiracy theories have created enduring communities by soft-pedaling their political goals and focusing on entertaining potential recruits with the tools of pop culture according to current and former members of the groups 
and those who study the new extremism. They approach young people on they approach young people on gaming platforms, luring them into private rooms with memes that start out as edgy humor and gradually grow o- overtly racists. They literally sell their ideas, uh, commodifying their slogans and actions as live streams, t-shirts, and coffee mugs. They insinuate themselves into chats, offering open ears and warm friendship to people who are talking online about being lonely, depressed, or chronically ill. What does that sound like to you? Open ears and warm friendship to people who are talking online about being lonely, depressed, or chronically ill. Let's keep that particular phrase in mind while we move on here. The pathways into the kind of extremism that led to the January 6th assault on the capitalist capital threats against lawmakers and years armed confrontations. What's up, Tim? At state capitals nationwide are often initially anything but ideological. All the people that stormed the Capitol and later said, what did I do wrong? I didn't think it was illegal. They want what we all want. Belonging, friendship, cultural meaning. Again, something to remember for later. Uh, said Robert Fertel, a sociolog- uh, sociologist at the University of Nevada in Las Vegas who studies white power movement. We gloss over that far too often, but <clears throat> in any movement, there's a festival atmosphere. They gain a feeling of power from being serendipitous, connected, serendipitously connected through things they enjoy, like music. This is much more complex than just an ideological movement. Before conspiracy theories take root, before people decide to break the law because they think society is somehow rigged against them, there is first a bonding process, a creation of connection and camaraderie that encourages members to believe that they now will be privy to answers that outsiders cannot know or understand. You have neo-Nazis, eco-fascists, conspiracy theorists, and what unites them is culture, not the ideology. The videos, movies, posters, memes, says Rita Katz, the executive director of SITE Intelligent Group, which monitors online extremism. How many of these people are really reading books about neo-Nazism? Hardly any. The far right has its own culture. They have their own world, their own language, their own music. Many of them are completely ideologically incompatible, but they use conspiracy theories and culture to try to create cohesion where it doesn't exist. That right there is exactly what a lot of cults try doing too. As I said, you're going to see a lot of connection to how the alt-right has tricked these young adults into their ideology using the same means as cult membership to trick them into thinking that they're doing the right thing. 
January 6th was a, was a pep rally for these people. Just like white power uh, music concerts were for me, said Christian Piccinelli, 47, who spent 10 years in the neo-Nazi movement before leaving radicalism behind. Most people don't look at it as fun, but they should. A generation ago, Piccolini was recruited into an extremist group in Chicago in a face-to-face meeting in an alley. Today, the same kind of overtures take place in digital alleys, especially in chats connected to video games with multiple players. They befriend young players, passing along anti-black, anti-Semitic memes, said uh, Piccolini, who runs the Free Radicals Project, which seeks to de-radicalize extremists. They do the same thing in depression forums and autism communities online. They find people looking for help and they invite them to chat and send them funny memes. Some you mean like the Democratic Party. Okay, there you go. But yet these people are considered conservatives. Uh, they find people looking for help and they invite them to chat, send them funny memes. Some kids send those memes and say, uh, not cool, and some giggle. Those who giggle get invited into private rooms. White supremacists, militias, men's right groups, and anti-Muslim aggregators, uh, agitators and other extremist organiz- organizers have been created loosely a loosely linked network of multimedia offerings, including videos, podcasts, lectures, articles, and games such as Black Lives Splatter, which challenge players to drive their vehicles into as many Black Lives Matters demonstrators as they can. Does this sound familiar to the Charlottesville riot? where they blamed a completely different group of people for driving that car into the group of protesters. But yet, like I stated when I first started this episode, you could go on the Discord for Identity Europa, which is one of these uh, neo-Nazi groups, and read the exact moment where they said, I wish I could drive my car into a crowd of anti-protesters. And that is exactly what happened there. Don't believe me? Netflix, Web of Lies, episode four, I believe. Or just look for the one that says alt-right. The pandemic has meant people have more time, more attention span, Frutil said. And that time is clearly being directed into extremist spaces. The appeal of a video like The Last Battle is that it's all emotion. At first, they're pro-Trump images juxtaposed against a Biden dystopia. But then, by the end of five minutes, it conveys a sense of white genocide. Arm up and train up and have babies, it says, or the white way of life is gone. Neither Fertel nor the Washington Post was able to identify the video's creators. Julia Ebner is an Austrian researcher who studied extremist culture by going undercover, joining American and European racist groups. The groups gave her a full access to their plans and ideology only after she proved her interest by hanging out with them. A lot of them stay in the community for the fun. 
I'd see them over and over saying, I don't want to do anything else on my weekends anymore. To gain first-hand insight into extremist recruitment and radicalization tactics, tactics, Ebner had to win the trust of an anti-Jewish and anti-black neo-Nazi group called Men Amongst the Ruins. The group required her to send a photo of her white wrist with her initials drawn on her skin. Then she had to submit to the genetic testing. Once admitted, she said she became privy to a parade of memes that advocated for turning the United States into a white ethno state. Using tactics adapted from uh, Islamist terrorists, ISIS, like we heard in the last article, lurking on gaming sites, reaching out to apparently lonely marks with content about games, music, or mixed martial arts. The strategy is to socialize first, Ebner said. Then they add in statistics about the demographic change in the U.S., then racist jokes, and deeper into the ideology. In an analysis of the arrest of the people who took part in the Capitol attack, Oren Siegel, the vice president of the Center of Extremism at the Anti-Defamation League, found that about a quarter of the attacks Attackers were connected to self-styled militia groups, white supremacist causes, or groups pushing QAnon conspiracy notions about corrupt forces within the U.S. government who worship Satan and traffic children for sex. But that leaves three-quarters of the arrested people who came to the extremist ideas without being part of an organized group. Those who found each other one by one, mostly online, falling down rabbit holes that led from something entertaining towards an ethnically radical way of perceiving reality. Joining such groups involves deep vitriol and hatred, anti-Semiticism, misogyny, and racism, uh, Futrell said. But members say they got in because they were people who were being nice to me. The Boogaloo Boys, a loose collection of anti-government groups that believe the country is heading towards civil war, which Identity Europa is part of this, presented them, present themselves initially as something of a fraternity. Merry online pranksters who wear Hawaiian shirts and get together to talk about guns, rights, and patriotism. So let me just stop right here from, for, from this for a second. Here's how white supremacy groups have changed over the decades. We all remember what the Derek Vineyard version of a white supremacist group looked like. Skinheads, and not just the guys, but the girls too. They all kind of wore black or, or goth-like clothing. And they were always willing to push their agenda onto you by stating exactly what they wanted to do. And most of them got tattooed with swastikas, the, you know, the eagle with the double swastika, you know, all those different Nazism symbols that a lot of these white supremacist groups have adopted over the years. Now, in today's society, you wouldn't be able to tell a white supremacist from a businessman or, more scary, a politician or somebody that works 
for a politician. White supremacist groups nowadays have gotten over the skinhead thing. These guys got full heads of hair and probably even full beards and stuff too. But they're also dressing like businessmen. They're wearing ties. They're wearing button-down shirts, slacks, nice shoes. They'll even throw on a sport jacket or a suit coat. And they will not use terminology that you would expect to hear from somebody that is a white supremacist. They are using terminology that muddies the water, kind of like what they're saying here. And it's not until you start digging down those rabbit holes and start jumping really far deep into what these groups are doing that you find out exactly what they're about and the things that they say, not in public, but in private. That, to me, is the scariest part about these groups is that you can just be having a casual conversation about the 2016 election, let's say, or even the 2020 election, and you might be talking to somebody who has these ideologies, and that just because they agree with you on, or you agree with them on one point, or let's say they agree with you on one point, next thing you know, they're going to start pushing that agenda and pushing that agenda, but they're going to leave the racist ideology out of it until they know, they know, They have you in their back pocket, which is exactly what a lot of these cults will do as well. We're going to finish up this article, and then I want to talk about a couple other uh, just nitpick things here about this. And then for the second hour, we will compare these recruitment practices to the recruitment practices of cults. And crazy enough, one specific cult more on that in the second hour now if anybody out there has anything on their crazy mind and they want to join in the conversations yes attention hotline fans yes you can call the fitz trashman cleaning service hotline at 440 excuse me 440 i can't remember the phone number I can't believe I just forgot the phone number. Here it comes across the top of the screen. 440-444-7251. Okay, it was the number I had in mind, but for some reason I thought it was a different number. Jiminy Christmas. Somebody, like, my brain is just... Denied. Denied. Right now. Thank you. All right. All right. So even amongst those who become involved in the group, people's ideologies are widely inconsistent. A prominent Boogaloo member who goes by the nom de guerre Magnus Pavanati said that in an interview on the online Jimmy Dore show to win over people who are anti-big business, anti-war, pro-gun, and a nationalist. Pavanati said the Boogaloos tried to appeal far beyond the far-right stereotype as a bunch of fat, old, white dudes. Is that not what I said? As newcomers become more involved, they discover increasingly explicit insurrectionist memes, videos, and messages concluding that liberal democracy is doomed 
and that an armed overthrow of the government may be needed. Needed, researchers have found. Panvadaya, uh, Pan whose real name is Zachary Clark, does declined to be interviewed, but he has previously denied that the movement is racist, saying that he worked as a guard to protect Black Lives Matters protesters and that the Boogaloo's welcome gay members. As a matter of fact, he said, I'm not the most straight man myself. He also denies wanting to spark a racial civil war, but he told Dorr that his group seeks some form of civil conflict, whether that be a peaceful signing resolution, revolution, whether that be some awful government civil war, whether that be a second revolutionary war, or to the idiot neo-Nazi types, they would consider it a race war. Decades ago, the far right's media content was created mainly by small, ideologically driven businesses, publishers, record companies, film studios. Now the material from nasty or barbed online memes and videos to overtly racist calls for violent conflict. It is the product of countless people operating independently. There's a cottage industry of extremists who are pretty good at creating content on their own, from anti-vaxxers to conspiracy theorists, Siegel said. Memes and videos and snark are the currency to show how badass you are. As you create more content, you're both radicalizing yourself and influencing others. Baked Alaska, real name Tim Gynant, is an influencer who has as many f- as who has who had as many as 5,000 viewers watching his 42-minute live stream on January 6th as he pushed into the Capitol and wandered through. We're in the Capitol building, he told his audience adding that 1776 will commence again. Unleash the Kraken. Let's go. That phrase, unleash the Kraken, was actually also mentioned in that Discord server the day of the Charlottesville riot when the car was driven into the crowd. Basically, that is the battle cry of a lot of these white supremacist groups right now. Unleashing the Kraken, basically is the final straw at that point anything goes in whatever movement they're in when an officer asked him to move guyanet lashed out you're a fucking oath breaker you piece of shit he told his audience that everyone who had entered the capitol that afternoon is a patriot and a hero and i love everyone here hundreds of guyanet's viewers gave him cryptocurrency during the live stream He was putting on a show, Siegel said. Guyanet, who rose to prominence in the alt-right movement via the parody videos he posted on Vine, did not respond to requests for comment. In 1999, he told Will Summer, a reporter who chronicles the far right, that he he had left the movement and regretted ever contributing anything to that culture. I was just a normal guy who liked memes, and I got radicalized. Then in January, he took part in the Capitol insurrection, Nine days later, he was arrested and charged with violent entry and disorderly conduct, as well as knowingly entering a restricted building. So, you kind of see 
how these groups are now operating. But the soft sell approach is also something that is used by a lot of cults, mostly the religious kind, because these religious groups hide behind the guise of religion. You can even look back at the Manson Ranch, uh, Mansions, bleh, Manson Spawn Ranch kids, and look at some kind of similarity to that. Manson used to tell his followers that he was the second coming of Christ, which we've heard in other cults as well, especially uh, with David Koresh and the Branch Davidians. But there's other forms of that as well, and we'll get into a lot of these different groups that have similar ideology to what we're seeing now in the alt-right. And the fact that that these cults are not being investigated the way that the alt-right is being investigated, it boggles my mind. Boggles my mind, especially after we've seen a lot of the tragedies that have come out of a lot of these cults. And we'll get into that when we get into the cult talk here. Um, <clears throat> so Jared Taylor, a longtime editor of the White Nationalist journal American Renaissance, first became involved with extremist ideas in the 80s he says, quote, you'd have to write off obscure P.O. box in Oth, uh, Oloth, Kansas to find like-minded people. If I hadn't known a few people personally, I probably would have remained with, the, with an utterly conventional view of race. The far right shift away from in-person recruitment and radicalization started even before the World Wide Web became widely available. In 84, Louis Beam, a Texas leader of the Ku Klux Klan, created the Aryan Nation Liberty Net, an online message board open only to people who had a code word. Beam built his online community to foster small cells nationwide that could in evade infiltration by law enforcement officers. Liberty Net became an early version of social media, Repolet with games, music, lectures, and kids' activities, mainly through the mail, adherents traded physical artifacts, tapes of white power music, newsletters, books that no mainstream publisher would produce. Then came the internet. By 98, former Klan wizard and Louisiana politician David Duke could declare that, quote, the Internet will begin a chain reaction of radical enlightenment that will shake the world. Taylor said, the idea remains essentially the same from the 60s on, but our reach has been hugely accepted, uh, hugely (sighs) extended. Up until 2012, We were a print publication with 4,000 subscribers, essentially a newsletter. Now we reach 400,000 people. Longtime members of the alt-right still marvel at the exponential growth in audience that the Internet has provided them. But many have concluded that despite the surge in gross numbers, the level of commitment and quality of community have been diminished. Music, cartoons, and videos are a great thing if it shakes people 
ever so slightly loose from conventional thinking, Taylor said. But the cultural tools today's extremists use to recruit people produce less informed, less connected followers. That right there is a huge point to all of this. And we're seeing it a lot, I think, with a lot of these religious radical groups as well. Far more people are leaving the, the, the Mormon church or the Church of Latter-day Saints, as they would like to be referred to today. Uh, even Scientology's numbers are finally starting to dwindle down because people are finally realizing what idiots those people are. So why is that? I think it's because this generation is becoming less informed and less connected. More time spent online and doing stuff like this means less time out in the real world actually seeing how the world works. And that, you know, uh, I'm not even going to say the word that's in this one. I, I will say swear words, but I will not use racially insensitive terminology. Uh, you get these horrifying memes Gas, gas the race war now. And that is very counterproductive, said Taylor, who is 69, a Yale graduate who portrays himself as an intellectual advocate for racist views. Older extremists say the new movement struggles to bring its followers together in person. There, did I not just say that? It's just wonderfully refreshing to be with people who view the world as you do, Taylor says. If you're in a marginalized group such as white advocates and racial, racial nationalists, you might lose your job or get kicked out of school if you go public with your views. So they meet online, anonymously, but it's not the same. It attenuates any human interaction. It crushes the fun, which is a, with the critical element, the sense of belonging. Uh, we got a quote here uh, from uh, the founder of Stormfront. The only thing I'm grateful for these days is that Trump allowed us to reach a much broader population to use a gentler way of bringing people into the fold. So retreating, uh, retreating into the anonymity and pseudonymity of the net is not ideal for building a radical movement, Black continued. But he likes a lot of the videos that attract young people to white nationalist ideas now because they embrace the soft sell approach he finds most effective at bringing in new followers. It's important to be able to talk to people without becoming without coming across as a raving Nazi or white white supremacist. So if we focus on the broader the border, the economy, whatever's upsetting people right now, we're in a stronger position. So there you go. They're using other tactics to try to bring people into their crazy ideology. Uh, for years, I was pretty demoralized by the number of people turning, uh, turning out to our Columbus Day demonstrations. Then Trump comes along and gets tens of thousands of people, and a certain percentage of them look further into our ideas. Uh, so this goes on and on. Uh, but this quote here from Christian uh, Piccolini is pretty powerful. 
Nobody's born to hate. People learn that. I learned to hate. What they're searching for, like all of us, is identity, community, and purpose. All right. Uh, the audience members now are notably smaller than gr groups had amassed on Facebook and YouTube. But the kind of pivot is nothing new for extremist groups. Cycles of public engagement and withdrawals into underground activity have repeated throughout the modern history of white supremacy. A Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville in 2017 was an effort to see what the public acceptance for what was for those ideas and actions. And then they pull back and organize into smaller, less visible groups online, especially when they're afraid of FBI surveillance and prosecutors. Then they push out again, and the cycle starts all over again. The Unite the Right rally was the rally where the person was hit by a car by one of these extremists. And while it is um, really not the time, Amanda, for the elephant, I'll give you the elephant since you asked, asked so nicely. All right. Well, as you can hear, uh, Trumpers equal Proud Boys equal KKK members. Mm. No, I won't conform to that. Uh, but all right, so that ends this article here. I do have a couple more articles that talk about some of these recruitment practices, but we're going to switch tactics when I get back. And I'm going to show you guys the, that cult recruitment is very similar to the recruitment that these alt-right radicalist groups are using. So where do you think these alt-right groups got these recruitment tactics from? Gee, I wonder. But we will be right back here on Money's Crazy Mind. I need to get something for my voice. I don't know what the fuck is going on. But until then, here's my boy's Big Ugly.
All right, before we get back into the fun here, let's pay a couple of bills here. So, All Access Realty, if you or your family is thinking about buying a new or selling their home, or your business is looking to upgrade, contact Frank Sobochan at All Access Realty. Frank is a veteran who served our country and is now serving the community. Frank is also committed to helping our veterans. If you know any housing opportunities for our vets, please contact Frank today. You can call him at 440-391-7430 or email him at franks at allaccesclerealty.com. Also, Dynatech, as testified by many satisfied customers, our diamond saw blades are the fastest cutting and longest lasting. Customer satisfaction is how we measure success at Dynatech. Our engineers are always available to help you troubleshoot and solve a problem on your job site. Dynatech is the only saw blade company committed to the uh, company recommended by the pavement marking manufacturing industry. Located in O'Leary, Ohio, Dynatech is committed to being the top diamond saw blade company around the world. We stand by our products with a warranty and customer service that keeps our customers satisfied and earns us the ranking of best in the industry. Contact Dynatech today at 1-800-446-9001, or you can email them at sales at Dynatech.com. Or you can just visit their website, Dynatech.com. All right, man, you know, this weather has been crazy here to end out the summer. We've had rain, rain, and rain, and it looks like next week, rain. Smith's Drain Service is your local drain cleaning experts specializing in main sewer lines, bathtub and laundry lines, septic lines, uh, kitchen sink lines, floor drains, and downspouts, and so, so much more. Family-owned and operated, you can call Smith's Drain Service today at 440-242-8704. Redline Radio is proud to partner with Growing Wings Adult Services, the proud sponsor of our state-of-the-art production studio. The team at Growing Wings has over seven years' experience of helping adults with disabilities in the Northeast Ohio area. If Lisa Summers and the team at Growing Wings can help your family, contact them at 234 334 7547 today. And mention that you heard all about Growing Wings right here on Redline Radio LLC. Oh wow, that sounds that sounds really great. Wow. That sounds like a really good deal. Who are you talking to? Uh, the Northeast Ohio Ghostbusters. Hello, Northeast Ohio Ghostbusters. What are you wearing? Uh khakis? Well, that sounds hideous. Well, they're Ghostbusters. Cypherwood in this bitch. All right. 2007 and forever, you know what I'm saying? What? Debo Crazy, yeah. the nigga named Spooks, right. and that nigga Mr. Welcome C. in to our two of this crazy deep dive into this brand new edition of white supremacist groups that are taking over the alt-right movement. Now, 
I'm just going to come out and say it right here. I do not support these groups. I am not a member of one of these groups. I personally detest these kind of groups. That's why I'm exposing their recruitment practices and pretty much comparing them to some of the worst cults that have ever existed in our existence. Because I want to stop these groups at their core. I detest everything that they're doing. They're bastardizing a lot of tools that are reaching young and impressionable people. Not just adults, but teenagers as well. Pretty much anybody in the gaming community uses these Discord servers to try to up their audiences. And now that you're finding out that these groups are using those and bastardizing them for their own sick ideological purposes that I just don't understand how anybody, anybody in their right mind could believe anything that comes out of these people's mouths. And their tactics for doing so are despicable. That they're going to start out by just talking, oh, hey, you know, they're not going to fucking close the borders. So, I mean, that sucks, right? You know, and then maybe somebody who's just like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm tired of not having a job because I'm losing it to people that would rather work at a lower pay rate. Or, you know, any just anything. Or maybe even just talking about the election itself. Man, doesn't it suck that Biden got elected over Trump? You know, and I think that that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions out there about all of this alt-right extremism. And, you know, Amanda, I'm sorry, I hate to call you out here. But Amanda kind of said it right here. Trumpers equal Proud Boys equal KKK members. I know a lot of people that voted for Donald Trump because they just wanted a change in the political landscape of this country because it wasn't just the same old good old boys network that was getting elected. This was a businessman who wanted to put business practices into our politics to try to end a lot of this overbleeding spending that we have going on in the government. That is as political as I'm going to get in this episode. But that is just some of the things that I've heard about why certain people that I know voted for Trump over, you know, any of the other Republican candidates, over Hillary, over Bernie, over any anybody else. But that is why they voted for him and had nothing to do with some of the other greasy tactics that he was using. And I have a theory about some of that. And whether anybody wants to believe it or not, that's that's up to them. But in all the research that I was doing on this, these were some of the things that I came across. And I'm just like, hmm, a lot of that sounds familiar. And I don't necessarily think that Trump himself was a member of the alt-right, but I think he had people from the alt-right working for him that were writing his speeches or possibly giving him a certain kind of terminology to use, and he had no idea what it meant. I'm not accusing Donald Trump of being the smartest man on the planet either when it comes to any of this. But Amanda did follow that up with, I just got here and I can feel my blood boiling. I knew this was going to get me going. And that is the whole reason why I'm doing this. I'm not doing this to sensationalize any of this or anything. I'm doing it to educate people so that maybe they can help their children understand some of the things that they're seeing online and not have them become, you know, 
enamored by some of this garbage that is being spewed all over the internet. And again, some of this information I got from the documentary web uh, webisode uh, from the show Web of Lies. I believe it was episode four. I might be wrong. It could be episode three on Netflix that talks all about the alt-right and a former member who was exposing them for all the disgusting stuff that they are doing. I'm actually looking it up right now just to just to make sure that I am doing uh, giving you guys the right episode here. So I'm just going to search for it. I don't feel like trying to dig through web. Oh, web of make believe. I'm sorry. It's not web of lies. It is web of make believe. So let's see. Episodes. Uh, Okay, so it's episode three. I am not a Nazi. What's up, whoever Facebook user is? All I see is Facebook user and the name and them giving my name. So identify yourself, Facebook user. All right, so let's talk about four psychological techniques that cults use to recruit their members. And tell me if you've, uh, it's shy. Oh, okay. Um, What's going on? Uh, So let's see if there's any similarities to what you hear in what I'm about to talk about with these four psychological techniques that the cults use to recruit members to what you heard. Um, I don't know why it always does that. (laughs) Um, To what you just heard about the alt-right members. Uh, The beliefs of cults and other extreme ideologies are uh, patently bizarre to any outsider observer. Despite how strange their beliefs are and the stereotype, most, and this is from BigThink.com, by the way. And there's a nice picture of Jim Jones there on the cover. Uh, most people who get sucked in uh, into cults are relatively normal and healthy at first. Sound familiar? Watching out for these four manipulative tactics can help you from getting suckered into cults, scams, and other extreme organizations. So even already here, they're sitting there and telling you that these practices are not just used by cults, they're used by extremist organizations as well. So gee, did did the asylum do its homework or did the asylum do its homework? Uh, Scientologists believe that human beings are vessels for the ghosts of brainwashed aliens. I am not making this up. Go back and watch my episode on Scientology if you don't believe me. Heaven's Gate believe that committing mass suicide would enable them to enter a spaceship flying in the wake of the Hale-Bopp comet. There's a great documentary about that on HBO Max, conveniently titled, Heaven's Gate. The leader of the Branch Davidians said he was the Messiah and all women were his spiritual wives. With views this crazy, the only thing crazier is that people seem to buy into it at all. It turns out human beings are, under the right conditions, extremely gullible. Cult members target likely candidates and use proven techniques to recruit new members into the cult. 
even though cults have widely different beliefs, the way they recruit and retain new members tend to follow a genuine, general, not genuine, general pattern. There are four steps to getting sucked into a cult. First, we need some thinking music for this. Picking the right target. As it turns out, most people can be susceptible to cult influence under the right conditions. Research has shown that the people who are the most susceptible to recruitment are stressed, emotionally vulnerable, have tenuous or no family family connections, or are living in adverse socioeconomic conditions. New college students are a prime example of good targets for cult recruitment since they're still forming their identity and have recently been separated from their families. In addition, people who were neglected or abused as children may be easily recruited because they crave the validation denied them in their childhood. There's a bit of a false belief out there that cult recruits tend to be mentally ill. This isn't the case. Cults don't want completely unpredictable people to join. Rather, they want relatively stable people who can work to forward the cult's goal and donate money. Relatively healthy people going through stressful periods, therefore, are their prime targets. So that's very similar to what the alt-right movement is doing with teenagers. Teenagers that are particularly playing war-based video games like Call of Duty. Or even, you know, people that were upset by the election. People that are upset by the current my uh, immigration status. People that are upset with gas prices. People that are upset with all these different things. You know, cults are obviously looking for a little bit of a different kind of ideology than the alt-right. But the recruitment tactic is the same. And that is what we're seeing here looking for people that are stressed, emotionally vulnerable, tenuous or no family connections, or living in adverse socioeconomic conditions. So that is very similar to what we're seeing with the alt-right. All right, so here we go. Tactic number two, love bombing. Originally coined by the Moonies, Love bombing is more or less self-explanatory. Having identified a stressed, emotionally vulnerable target, cults flood that person with affection, flattery, and validation. Cult awareness educator Ronald N. Loomis described this practice on college campuses as involving a recruiter approaching the student and doing everything they can to make that student feel special and unique. They're quickly trying to convey the message that I am your new best friend and they will fake mutual interests in order to give the impression they share many things in common. Hello, is that not what I just said about the alt-right? 
He also described how one cult trained its members to wait outside counseling centers to poach troubled students and offer them comfort they would otherwise get from a trained professional. Isolation. Once they've enticed a recruit with the approval or promise of some fulfilling understanding of the universe, cultists then work to isolate the recruit. Often this takes the form of a weekend retreat where their recruit is immersed in the cult's ideology over the course of a few days. Not only are recruits physically isolated from friends and family, members who might otherwise provide a reality check, but cults often isolate recruits from outside information. Newspapers, books, TV, and web access are all censured, ensuring that the only reality the recruit gets to experience is the one presented by the cult. Sound familiar? And then last but not least, keeping control. After convincing you that they're the best friends you've ever had and bombarding you with the cult's ideology, the cultist's next job is to make sure they hang on to you. There's a variety of techniques that they can use to accomplish this. But these usually involve uh, uh, iterative subjecting the cult recruit to terror and love. What? You're not going to let me play the music? Come on. Brand new board and don't want to behave. In an interview with Ion, social social psychologist Alexander Stein explained that when we are frightened, we don't simply run away from the fear but run to a safe haven, to someone. And that someone is usually a person to whom we feel attached. But when the supposed safe haven is also the source of the fear, then running to that person is a failing strategy, causing the frightened person to freeze, trapped between approach and avoidance. By keeping cult members totally off balance in this way, cults increase their members' dependency on a leader, ensuring they retain control. The exhausting frozen state of terror and avoidance overwhelms cult members and their ability to think critically about the ideology they've suddenly committed themselves to. Breaking out of this situation usually requires some other ally, another cult member who has become fed up with the system or another outside influence. Broadly, cults retain control over their members by controlling the narrative. Dissensing the voices offer a landmark to cult members that they can use to situate themselves and find their way back to objective reality. All right. So there you have it. The four tactics that cults use to get their members. Now, a lot of that is exactly what we read in that other article that talked about, you know, the uh, white supremacy groups, the alt-right groups looking into people that are depressed or maybe just recently went through a loss, or people that are very upset about the recent election. 
using immigration and using gas prices and using current political debates to try to lure their members in and then using memes, videos, music, and even video games to try to push their narrative onto the members, which is exactly what these cults are trying to do. And notice some of the names of the cults that were mentioned here, mainly the main one that it mentioned. And this one is a bona fide religion, according to the United States government, and that's Scientology. And then you have Heaven's Gate, the Branch Davidians, which was also another legitimate religion. Even the Jim Jones Church, the Mormons, they all use very similar tactics to what the alt-right was is using to try to influence these people into thinking that their ideology is right. There's a reason why the term is called ideology. So we defined what an alt-right group is. So now let's define a cult, a religion regarded as unorthodox or super, uh, superior. It's a body of adherence, a great devotion to a person, idea, object, movement, or work, such as a film or book, especially a such such devotion regarded as literary or intellectual fad the subject of a devotion usually small group of people characterized by such devotion a system of religious beliefs and ritual formal religious veneration a system for the cure of disease based on dogma set forth by a pro a promulgator so those are, and that's from Merriam-Webster. I'm not just pulling this out of my asshole, okay? Now, a lot of what was said there about what a cult is is also the way that you can define what the alt-right is doing. I'm going to go to one specific part of this that I just read and tell me where you've heard this before when it comes to the alt-right. After convincing you that they're the best friends you've ever had and bombarding you with the cult's ideology, the cultist's next job is to make sure they're hanging on to you. There's a variety of techniques that can, they can be used to accomplish this. And then uh, by keeping members totally off balance, cults increase their members' dependency on the leader, ensuring they retain control. The exhausting frozen state of terror and avoidance overwhelms cult members and their ability to think critically about the ideology they've suddenly committed themselves to. What does this sound like to you? A lot of these Trumpers that Amanda was talking about earlier, the people that were biting and biting on every word that he was saying, a lot of those words I don't even think Trump knew what he was saying. I also do not believe that Trump was the original Q from the QAnon movement. I believe that it definitely was somebody that worked for Trump. Maybe not necessarily somebody that worked with him in the White House or was a member of the government itself. 
but somebody that was very close to him. Because a lot of the things that Q was suddenly saying were very similar to the things that Trump himself was saying. But then Q disappeared for a long time. But then all of a sudden he came back. And a lot of people noticed that the way Q was talking through the Q uh, uh, Anon and what the Anon stood for was anonymous because of 4chan and 8chan, everybody posts on there anonymously. So that's why he was called the Q Anon. Now, a lot of people noticed that the second coming of Q, as they like to refer to it, was much more ideologic in the way that he was speaking and was stating, watch out for these particular dates, watch out for these particular events. Some of those events came true, some of them did not. But the main point is, is that every time Q, the second Q, would come out and say these things, it had something to do with something that Trump was doing that day. So by mirroring Trump with Q, you then build a following. And a lot of these Q people were the people that were showing up to and acting as the radicals in a lot of these events that involved Trump. Oops. So cult recruitment. Let's take another little look here at some of this. Now those are the four main tactics that cults will use. So we're going to take a look at this other article here from How Stuff Works Camp and see if there's even more similarities to the way that the alt-right would recruit their members. So some of these are going to be familiar, but cult members come from all wakes of life, all age groups and personality types. However, one common thread among cult recruits is heightened stress. Research indicates that a majority of people who end up joining a cult were recruited during a particularly stressful period. This could be the stress associated with adolescence, leaving home for the first time, a bad breakup, losing a job, death of a loved one. People undergoing significant stress can be more susceptible when a person or group claims to have the answer to all their problems. Uh, Dr. Michael Lagnon, PhD, a a psychologist who specializes in cults, also identifies some psychological traits that can make a person more likely to success be successfully recruited. Dependency, an intense desire to belong stemming from a lack of self-confidence. Gee, that sounds familiar to the alt-right, doesn't it? Unassertiveness, a, reluct- a reluctance to say no or question authority. Gullibility, a tendency to believe what someone says without really thinking about it. Low tolerance for uncertainty, a need to have any question answered immediately in a black and white term. <clears throat> Excuse me. Disillusionment with the status quo. <clears throat> a feeling of marginalization with one's own culture and desire to see that culture change. Naive idealism. A blind belief that everyone is good. Desire for spiritual meaning. A need to believe that life has a higher purpose. 
So that naive idealism definitely falls into the uh, nice shirt. I, I like this shirt too. It's got the, a very sexy man's face on it, I, I must say. Uh, welcome to the very tail end of the show here um, to my lovely wife. Look at, look at that picture, man. I clean up pretty good there. That's from our wedding day. Our one-year anniversary is coming up here very soon. And uh, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that because I don't want to spoil the surprise. All right, but so th there you see, and, and like I said, the naive idealism. So that's a, that's a very easy way, not only for cults to get somebody to, to believe in what they're saying, but also for any of these white supremacy groups that are th sitting there throwing out terminology that don't necessarily associate with white supremacy groups. When you hear the term a true American, to me, a true American is any American that was born on American soil doesn't matter the color of the skin doesn't matter what religion they are doesn't matter what background they come from they could be gay they could be straight they could want to whatever but a true american to me is any person born on american soil because the second you are born on american soil according to our constitution that i know that there are a lot of politicians out there that want to change what the terminology in our own constitution is but to me, a true American is anybody born on American soil. Because according to our Constitution, the second you are vaginally pooped into existence, you are an American citizen. And then to further that, the second your parents sign your birth certificate, you are issued a social security number. That social security number is an identifying piece of information for you that is given to you because you are a citizen of the United States. But a lot of these white supremacy groups are bastardizing that term, true American, to fit their ideology. That a true American is a uh, white European descendant person. Well, I hate to spoil your fun there, Mr. Nazi boy. Jewish people are of European descent. And your little leader there failed to agree with that ideology as well. But a lot of Jewish people are of European descent. Some of them are of Muslim descent. Yes, because of Israel, which is the main hub of the Jewish religion. So there is that part of it as well. But a lot of Jewish people were born in Poland and Germany and countries like that. Which is why the genocide that happened in Europe happened. Let me try to put it into terminologies for this generation. The true bloods, or I don't remember exactly what they would call them, consider white Jewish people to be the mudbloods or the muggleborns. Okay? Okay. That's the only piece of Harry Potter information you get out of me because fuck Harry Potter.
But let's take another look at um, some of these that fall into this mixed ideology between cultism and the alt-right. Disillusionment with the status quo. So what's everybody saying? The Democrats are going to take your guns away from you. Again, the border situation, the election, gas prices, the war on the Ukraine, all of these different things that are hot button topics in today's society are being used to lure people to join the alt right. So if you if you're in a a Discord server or maybe even a Twitch channel and you're sitting there and you're playing Call of Duty and you're and you're sitting there butt fucking your friends through the chat because I've heard some of those chats and my god does it make South Park seem like a children's cartoon sometimes. And then all of a sudden somebody comes through and says, yeah, man, you're right. But what do you think about this? What do you think about, you know, what what Russia's doing? Or what do you think about Biden withholding oil from Russia in, in a scare tactic with the Russians or blah, blah, anything like that? And then all of a sudden they shoot you a funny ass little meme about kind of like similar to the topic that you guys are talking about. But then the deeper into that conversation you're going, you start to feel more like Alice down the rabbit hole, which is why they call it going down a rabbit hole. Or let me even throw it into this terminology, because this is a terminology that I just thought of because I'm just like, damn, that really sounds like the theme of the Matrix. You're Neo at that point, and you've got Morpheus showing you all the, the supposed real of the world. Well, or world of the real, I'm sorry. That's a very interesting way to look at it because a lot of people feel the same way that Morpheus did in the Matrix. What if Morpheus was the wrong guy? What if Smith turned out to be the good guy? That's exactly what these groups are trying to do and trying to push people into believing. Pushing you down that rabbit hole. Take the blue pill. Take the red pill. (laughs) Whichever pill they want to push down your throat at that particular time. But it is all cult recruitment tactics. And the, you know, like I said, they're going into groups where they're finding people with depression, finding people that are pissed off about the election, finding people that don't agree with all the immigration statuses, finding kids that are in Discord servers that are just trying to sit there and watch people play video games. But then they're using those same Discord servers to turn it into their ideological safe haven for them. But then once they have you embedded and once they have you believing some of the things that they're believing. And I'm going to use a direct quote from that Web of Make Believe documentary on Netflix. This I'm not going to use a quote, but I'm I'm going to explain a story that the person on there told. She went to a bonfire where she believed it was just a group of people that had similar beliefs getting together. Next thing she knows, there are a group of people grabbing a stack of books. And they start tossing them into the fire. It isn't until the the fire tossing starts that the leader of this group, the person responsible for holding the bonfire, announces to people that these are written by the Jewish communism communists which is a very specific term used by the alt-right and she even said 
that's when I got interested in everything that was happening. But then the further down the rabbit hole she went, she started seeing how a lot of the people that were in this group didn't necessarily believe everything that everybody else did. But that, that when they were in public, it was the business suits. It was <coughs> using the questionable terminology, true Americans, true-blooded Americans. Um, you know, not even mentioning Holocaust, Hitler, and other the other ideological terminology that you would think to hear. And they would muddy the terminology that, that you would hear in public. But the second they were in private and it was just a group of them in the room, that's when the swastikas came out. That's when the Zighail salutes came out. That's when the dirty words that I even I will not repeat on the air started flying. One person in public, another person in private. What does that sound like? That sounds exactly like a cult. This is exactly why I wanted to present this to everybody and show the comparisons between these white supremacy groups and some of the most popular cults out there. So let's talk about one of the cults that was mentioned in that other article. Let's talk about Heaven's Gate. We've talked about the recruitment tactics of the alt-right and some of the... Obviously, everybody knows what the alt-right believes in. Everybody knows what white supremacy is. I don't need to sit there and, and continue to bash that down your throat. But let's talk about some cults that they're very similar to. Let's talk about Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate was started by two people. They used the nicknames T and Doe. Because Doe's favorite movie was The Sound of Music. And what do you have in The Sound of Music is you have the girl singing the songs about the scales. Uh, Do, Re, Mi, Fa, So, La, Ti, Do. I'm a singer. I know my scales. Now, what they would use to start bringing people into their strange ideology is they would just put up flyers. UFO believers, come to this meeting on this date. We want you to join our group. So then they they sucker a lot of people in. Have you ever seen a UFO? Do you believe that aliens exist? You know, and this is, we're talking the 70s. So X-Files wasn't even a TV show yet. But are you as bonkers as Fox Mulder? You know, I'll just throw that out there. And by that point, you already have people suckered in. So then these people would come to this meeting thinking that they're just going to be talked to about UFO sightings, possibly even close encounters, be it of the first, second, or third kind, or possibly even the fourth kind. But then once they get there, they start hearing about this particular person's ideology. <clears throat> and that ideology was based on a mixture of Christian millennianism, people that believe that the millennium was the end of the world, New Age, and UFOlogy. The center belief of the group 
was that followers could transform themselves into immortal extraterrestrial beings by rejecting human nature and that they would ascend to the next level of heaven. The evolutionary level above human is the way that Tian Do described it. The deaths of Nettles, who was uh, Doe, to cancer in 1985 challenged the group's view on ascension. So then T had to do everything he could to keep the group together. So who was this guy? He was a Presbyterian minister and a former soldier, Marshall Applewhite. He began a foray into biblical prophecy in the early 70s after being fired from the University of St. Thomas over alleged relationship with one of his male students. He then met Bonnie Nettles, a 44-year-old married nurse with an interest in in uh, theophysy and biblical prophecy. They pondered the life of St. Francis of Assai and read works by authors including Helenia Blavatsky and Richard Bach. So basically, the more you gave in to their bullshit, the higher into the next level you would go. They weren't allowed to watch any television other than Star Trek The Next Generation and even the original Star Trek. And they all shaved their heads. Some of the males even castrated themselves because human reproduction and sexual sexuality did not get you into the next level. So after the death of Doe, T had to do everything he could to keep the group together. And that's when he started the ideology that the next level was on its way and it was coming in the form of the hail bop comet and that everybody was going to go to sleep and by the time they woke up they would be on the ship and they would be traveling through hail bop so the night that hail bop comet was going to pass over them in california they all drank poison and killed themselves There are actually some members of Heaven's Gate that are still alive, some of which still believe in the ideology as well. And even some of those that left the group, once they realized that the the rest of their team or their, their, their Starship crew had descended into the next level, they too committed suicide. So that was one of the groups that was mentioned there. The Branch Davidians, everybody believed that David Koresh was the second coming of Jesus Christ because he himself said he was the Messiah. What happened to the Branch Davidians? They got into a pretty nasty bout with the, uh, with the government and ended up burning down his entire complex in Waco, Texas. Of course, there's Jim Jones with the spiked Kool-Aid. My point in doing all of this 
is the fact that these things are all very similar. You believe into the, you buy into the bullshit because you find a common ground in one other thing. And a lot of times those people are bullshitting you to get you into their group, to bring you into their ideology, whether or not you fully believe in it or not. And that's the susceptibility of all of these kinds of groups, cults, these alt-right white supremacy groups, BS. What are you BSing, honey? And eventually, some people do end up seeing the light, like this girl that was on the Web of Make-Believe episode where she saw that somebody actually did drive their car into the group of anti-protesters, the supposed protesters that some of these groups say that they believed and ended up killing people. That was the final straw for her. And it actually took a phone call from her mother, who was not a part of the group, saying, because you know about this and because you are in that group, they can hold you responsible for this as well because you knew about it and didn't do anything about it. And I think that is probably the most damning part of the whole thing. There were people in these groups that praised that person for driving that car into that group of protesters. And I, as you read, there were people that were live streaming the Capitol incursion and using the terminology that they use, release the Kraken. 1776, the revolution is upon us. These are all phrases that these groups like using. The true constitution, true-blooded Americans. Sound familiar? Sound familiar? And yeah, I did mention one of the only other cults out there that actually believed in extraterrestrialism other than the Scientologists who do believe that our human bodies are just skin bags for brainwashed aliens. And if you don't believe me, go ahead and read some of their books. Or, for a really great depiction of it, go back and watch the South Park episode from, uh, from Season 9 called Trapped in the Closet. That's a pretty good indication of it as well. But then you can also go back and watch the Book of Mormon episodes where you learn that the Mormons actually believe that we're fucking aliens as well. So do we see a pattern here in the bullshit? Cults are full of bullshit. Yes, they are. So you can either buy in to the kind of bullshit that Scientologists, the the Church of Latter-day Saints, Mormons, Heaven's Gate, the Branch Davidians, Jim Jones, or any of those idiots will sell you or you can buy into the, the, to the bullshit that can actually damage people. And I'm not saying that people that are in cults aren't doing damaging things because there are a lot of cults out there that are dangerous. But when you have the same recruitment tactics for getting people to do hateful and hurtful things, like attacking a Capitol building or driving a car to a group of protesters, you're no different than the Spawn Ranch kids that believed that Marilyn, or Charles Manson, not Marilyn, sorry, Marilyn, love your music, um, that Charles Manson was also the second coming of Jesus Christ, and that by living off of LSD, murdering people, 
would bring about a race war. Does that sound familiar? But yet we condemn Charles Manson. We condemn the Spawn Ranch kids. But these alt-right groups are able to infiltrate the highest levels of our government and manipulate presidential candidates. Think about that until we come back next week. Next week, we're going to try to do something a little bit fun. Um, I am actually going to be meeting with somebody about this, and I believe I might have a message from them. Uh, whatever that is. Okay. Uh, yes, so I'm going to be meeting up with somebody about the potential of money's crazy mind taking the asylum on the road next week. Here's what I have planned for next week if we can make this happen. I know you're not watching because you just told me where to meet you, but next week, Money's Crazy Mind might be coming at you live from the Harvest Saloon. And we're not going to have all the pretty bells and whistles here, obviously, but if we are able to come at you live from the Harvest Saloon next Friday night, you are not only going to get an interview with one of Cleveland, Ohio's newest alternative and hard rock cover bands for locos but you are also going to get a portion of their debut concert streamed live right here on money's crazy mind stay tuned to the redline radio facebook page the money's crazy mind podcast facebook page and my website podpage.com forward slash monies dash crazy dash mind for all of the audio previews that I do throughout the week to let you guys know if we are going to be coming at you live from Harvest Saloon next week. Now, like I said, interview with the band and a portion of their concert streamed right here on Redline Radio in the Asylum if we're able to make this happen like i said i have to go meet with the guy to see if we're able to make this happen who am i meeting i'm meeting the singer and the founding member of the four locos to see if we were able to make this happen so before we go obviously we are in the growing wings adult services studios and they are the official sponsor of this state of the art studio they have seven years of experience taking care of adults with disabilities for more information on how growing wings can help your family you can call lisa at 234-334-7547 and obviously over yonder on pearl road the uh, the original studio this is why i'm cutting it a little bit early you hear my voice it's been doing this ever since I got on the air. I don't know. I've been fine all day. Um, the, the home of our original studio is Detroit Auto Parts. Two convenient locations. On the east side, you can in Elyria, you can call 216-531-7373. Or on the west side, which is on Pearl Road, 216-398-7373. Mention Redline Radio and you get 10% off your purchase. I have had to use them, and I have gotten my 10% off. 
How? Because I have Redline Radio right here on the sleeve of my shirt. Speaking of my shirt, this shirt was created by Incredible Keepsakes. Money's Crazy Mind is brought to you by Incredible Keepsakes. At Incredible Keepsakes, cherished moments are made to last forever. T-shirts, binders, cups, you name it, Incredible Keepsakes can make it. Reach out to them today at IncredibleKeepsakes.com or 440-242-9648. Don't forget to mention you heard about them on Redline Radio LLC. All right, and obviously we didn't do any crazy shit you find on the internet this week, but of course Money's Crazy Mind is brought to you in part by Tattoo Therapy, Inc. I believe I played their video, but if not, we'll play it again. Money's Crazy Mind and Redline Radio LLC is proudly sponsored by Tattoo Therapy, Inc. In the Greenbrier Shopping Center at 6259 Pearl Road, Parma Heights, Ohio. You can contact Riley today at 440-747-7130. They are one of the premier tattoo parlors in Northeast Ohio. And don't forget to tell them that Red Line Radio sent you. Now, two of the tattoos in that picture are actually, one of them is on my body, one of them is on Dynamite Dave's body. Dynamite Dave, however, is doing a hell of a lot better. He was in here most of the day pissing me off, as Dave normally tends to do. But we love Dave. We are so glad that he is doing much, much better health-wise. If you want to come hang out with myself, Dave, and Lisa from Growing Wings, also formerly of the Sugar and Spice podcast that used to be right here on Redline Radio LLC, we will be at the Midvale Speedway tomorrow for the CRS Truck Race, which is the Big Mac 50 in honor of Billy's uh, fallen brother. There are going to be a bunch of raffle baskets available to everybody. No matter what your taste is, there's a raffle basket for you, and all of that money goes to to help Ride With Valor, who always helps our veterans out there. 100% of the proceeds go to Ride With Valor. So we hopefully will see you tomorrow. And as always, during the break, I play the advertisement for the Northeast Ohio Ghostbusters. We are taking this weekend off, but next weekend we will be in the Parma Ukrainian Village Parade. You can see myself. Uh, our president, Tony Gonzalez, and all of our other members in the parade. And if you guys have not had a chance to see our Acto Ram truck, that parade is going to be your chance to get your feast your eyes upon our Acto Ram truck. So with all that said, with the bills paid and all of that, I am calling in a night. As like I said, we will be at Midvale Speedway tomorrow. And then next week, we will be at Lake Erie Speedway as well, but I will be in the parade first for the Ukrainian Village. Um, also, immediately following the parade, you can head over to St. Jehoshaphat's Church, and they are having a Ukrainian festival as well. All, all the money raised from that will go to help the people of the Ukraine suffering in this horrible war between them and Russia. So... Hopefully I learned y'all something today about how the alt-right is treating its members like cult members. So, until next week, tomorrow right here on Redline Radio, LLC, 
You've got fourth and 15 coming at you for one week only from uh, the uh, Detroit Auto Parts studios, um, only because there's nobody here. And then you've got Comedies and Cocktails with Jen Jen from 8.30 to 9.30, and then episode two of Too Much Information, TMI, starring Brandon X. Next week, we are going to be having some big news to announce to everybody uh, about the future of where you'll be able to stream Red Line Radio LLC's content. We're not going anywhere. We're still going to be right here on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch.tv, and Twitter, but we are adding a few other locations as well. We will be announcing that next week as soon as we dot the I's across the T's on all the paperwork. All right. Until then, everybody, hopefully you guys learned something this week, and hopefully it was informative and I didn't sound like I was pushing the alt-right agenda because that's not what I was trying to do at all, or any cult's agenda for that matter, because fuck them all. But until next week, everybody, I'm going to go get some water and some lozenges in my throat. Until next week, have a week. Audie's Crazy Mind is a proud Redline Media Group and nameless, faceless production. That's all, folks.